Welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts, like us, examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller, North by Northwest, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Curtis Blaze, and just below me, one matchbook throw away, it's the great and powerful Jason Hummel! To you, my dear, and all the wonderful memories we've had together. We are the hosts of the Better Off Dead Minute. That's the other thing we do. But today we are Hitchcockians, and we are going full cock. (laughs) Join us now, won't you, as we unpack Minute 125 of the Hitchcock film, North by Northwest, already in progress. Gremlins movie. Do you even know they're making a new Gremlins oh, yeah. movie? Yeah. The, uh, something of the Mogwai. The Order of the Mogwai? Order of the Mogwai. Is that right? Is that Do I have that right? Something like that. The Order of the Mogwai. How exciting is that going to be? <laughs> there's no way. There's zero percent chance they're going to screw that up. But whatever. We're talking about North by Northwest. Yes. Minute 125. So this is kind of a kind of an interesting minute. We, we don't get much to it. Dude is. Dude is slurking around on the second floor, getting ready to throw the matchbook that he wrote in the last minute down at Eve. Yes. And misses. Missed it by that much. And then Philip toasts Eve to her death. <laughs> yeah, basically all the lovely moments we've had together. <laughs> how come How come at that moment, how come when he says that, she isn't already going, hmm? Because <laughs> if you said that to me just now, if you toasted to all the lovely moments we've had together, I'd be like, what's in my coffee? <laughs> Like, do I smell strychnine? Can you smell strychnine? Probably not. Hey, Google, does strychnine have a smell? According to CDC emergency preparedness, strychnine is a white, odorless, bitter crystalline powder that can be taken by mouth, inhaled, or mixed in a solution and given intravenously. See, you would fool me at that point. Yeah. I wouldn't smell any strychnine. I'd just drink my coffee. (laughs) I think a real Bond villain would have roofied her. And then carried her unconscious to the plane. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Because his plan right now, as far as we can tell, according to the last minute, is to get her in the plane and throw her out over the ocean. Yes. Is she going to be awake? Is she, like, struggling and he's pushing her out of the plane, beating on her fingertips as she clings to life at the edge of the door? That kind of thing? Wow. Because that's pretty tense. Yeah. Pretty horrifying. Is Philip capable of just cold-blooded, ruthless murder that way? They dumped... They got... Roger, extremely drunk, and they were going to have him drive himself off of a road. Yeah. Off of a cliff and uh, kill himself. That's a little bit less cold-blooded than, like, you know, kicking Eve in the solar plexus as she clings to the edge of the of the airplane door as you're trying to throw her out over the ocean. And Philip himself has always had his henchmen take care of stuff. Yeah. He's like, uh, not one to dirty his hands. But now his whole plan is to throw her out over the, over the ocean. Yes. And he's even cold-bloodedly toasting her... To all the moments they had together. <laughs> so I guess then the question is, is this consistent with everything that we've seen so far? He seems to really like her. Yeah. I think I think we're establishing he's definitely not gay. Leonard definitely is and has a crush on him, on yeah. Philip. Yeah. Eve doesn't really seem like she's into Philip at all because she's just a spy. Right. Philip really does seem to be into Eve because he gets so angry when Roger is like triggering him earlier yeah yeah it's philip's plan to just cold-bloodedly throw her out of a plane yeah yeah it does make you wonder if maybe he might have a uh 
attack of conscience at the last minute. Maybe he's just telling Leonard that to get him on board, and then on the plane, Leonard's going to be like giving him the eyes, like, throw it out. It's like, oh, we're over the Baja of California. How about now? I'm trying to think what's on the way. We're over the Gulf of Mexico. How about now? <laughs> no, Leonard, it's not rocky enough. <laughs> is is the ocean ever rocky? <laughs> I guess at the bottom. Yeah. So what is the plan? They land, and they just start living the life in South America? Yeah. For the rest of the life. Just age whatever they are, 50. Probably mm-hmm. in the movie they're being depicted as 30. <laughs> if I'm doing the old movie math right. And uh, they're just, he and Leonard. So Leonard is like, hmm, going to throw her out? Just going to be me and him? <laughs> Cozy. I think Philip's revealing a part of his personality right now that would suggest to me that Leonard is going to die too. Probably in South America. Hmm. He's probably having a talk with another henchman off screen where the camera goes down <laughs> as he's saying, oh, what, wait, what's the line for throwing Eve out? Uh, this problem is best uh, taken care of from a great height over Walter. He's probably having another talk with another henchman where the camera is, is pulling down away from him as he says, this problem is best served underground and like you know talking about the diamond mines where he's gonna bury leonard he's gonna cause a a a cave-in no uh i killed the bus driver what bus driver (laughs) philip has the joker it just ends up being him at the end of everything (laughs) i believe that whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger (laughs) they must be answering to somebody They must be answering to the East Germans. The East Germans, we've determined, the East Germans are going to give them a lot of money for the microfilm. Yeah. And given the depressed economy of South America, they're going to be able to retire there and live comfortably for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Do you think he and Leonard have been involved in lots of of schemes prior to this? Hmm. Like that time they had to pose as scientists and sneak on to the Area 51 base (laughs) to get the guidance chip for the nuclear missile? You know, like, are they are they assets that have been used forever, but now it's just too much, and now they have to retire? Or or really, is there a, a, an East German waiting in South America with a, I'm guessing, Ruger, with a couple bullets with their names on it? Yeah, that sounds more more like it. Yeah, they don't seem, I mean, they're not like Coen Brothers amateur, but they, <laughs> they don't seem like they're um, 100% professional either. <laughs> This is a problem that is best solved at great rotating speed. <laughs> and the camera's just spinning around. <laughs> really, really fast. I don't know. Yeah, because she's in the, the wood chopper. What, here's what I want to happen. I want them to get to South America, and they're going to meet up with their East German agent, right? To um, it, this, is, this is how the movie would have been better, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, okay, train plowing into the tunnel is a pretty good ending. Yeah. You can't really... You can't, really, you can't really argue with that. It's like, oh, yeah! <laughs> Hit it! But here's what, I want, well, here's what I would have wanted the ending to be. I would have wanted them to basically get away with it. Maybe maybe Roger clings to the airplane or something, or, or sneaks on board or something. They get to South America. They meet up with their East German handler, and it turns out to be Roger's mother. <laughs> Who was behind it all from the beginning, which is how she, which is how Roger got wrapped up in this in the first place. <laughs> she guns him down, and then he's like, "Mother, how could you?" And then that's where the sort of final final battle takes place: Roger versus his mother. 
Wow. Uh, climbing around that giant crucifix in Brazil. So it's like, it's no, another Freudian ending. Instead of men in the president's nose, it'd be men in Jesus's nose. She's menacing Eve. Eve is hanging by Jesus's, by Jesus's or Jesus? Jesus's. Jesus says, there's not much to hang off. Maybe his nose. We'll just have it be his or nose. Or stigmata. She's, oh yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, she's like hanging onto a stigmata in his wrist. No, because he's on the cross. It isn't a stigmata. Oh, then he's hanging on to the, she's hanging on to the nail. Nail, yeah. okay. So she's hanging off the nail. Roger's mom is, is like smashing her fingers trying to make her fall. And Roger shoots her. <laughs> and then she, she falls off the giant Jesus statue to crash on the rocks below. And that's the real end of the movie. How much cooler would that have been? Wow. Right? Yeah. We could still have the train going into the tunnel because I love that. I don't even care if it would make sense. Yeah. If there are no trains and tunnels in Brazil, I still want that to be the ending. But, you know, if we're going with the being a proto-James Bond kind of thing, there on the train, right at home, there would have to be one last henchman. Oh, God, man. Doesn't this movie ever end? <laughs> yeah. It would have to be... Yeah. Great. So what happens then? <laughs> Robert Shaw shows up. What? <laughs> And then the very last scene is, the very last scene of the movie then, is the guy from the train that he stole the uniform from. <laughs> Just like you see him doing the hands brushing movement. You know, that, that thing where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I wash my hands of this move. <laughs> Which is appropriate considering we've got the whole Jesus thing. Yeah. Okay. So he washes his hands and he turns away from the camera and it's the end. <laughs> or maybe he's, okay, so he sees them. He At the end, he sees them going into a room together, and he does that sort of, you know, that eyebrow wiggle, washing his hands move, and turns away. <laughs> Wait, so I'm, I'm completely glossing over. I've glossed between, we've killed Roger's mother, to uh, uh, the, the guy on the train washing his hands of the sex that's about to happen. What's the evil henchman scene? Like, like what happens there? Is it, is it Leonard, back from the dead? Uh, Leonard cl- uh, clinging to life. Clinging to life. Yeah, he's oh, a suit all ripped up, bloodied face, dragging a leg like a mummy. Dragging a le- okay. Does he have a gun? How's he gonna? What's he gonna do? What's his plan? <laughs> yeah, he's got Eve's gun. He's he's so out of it, he doesn't realize he's got the blank gun. <laughs> so he drags himself all the way over there onto the train, just to be like, boom, ah. <laughs> and then the train conductor dude that he stole the uniform from. Gives him a kick off the moving train, and he falls to the rocks below. So we need to be going over a bridge or something. Yeah. And then and then he does that. Then he does, like, hearty wink to Roger and Eve. And then, like, does that thing where he takes his finger and puts it and makes a ring with one hand and then a pokey finger with the other and does that. <laughs> gives him the thumbs up, gives him the wink, washes his hands and turns around. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, in this scenario, the the porter would be played by Tim Roth from uh, <laughs> Four Rooms. <laughs> he he cocks his hat jauntily and does that <laughs> little sauntering walk away. That would be awesome. I love our ending way better. <laughs> that thing where we came up with earlier, where there's a two guys battling out for possession of Roger's soul with lead guitar, <laughs> the devil versus Philip. I like that. I like the ending second best now. Now I want it to be this ending that we just did. Well, I suppose we should talk about this minute. Roger, I gotta say, the lighting in this in this scene in particular really hits me as particularly beautiful. I've been jarred all the way through this film by the extreme orange tan. 
everybody is perfectly orangely tanned. Yeah. And nowhere is that more evident than in the very beginning of this minute, where Roger is uh, preparing to throw the uh, throw the monogrammed matchbook matchbook to Eve. Yet somehow, even though even though that's still a thing that's distracting, look at this gorgeous light. Just Roger is lit. In perfect profile. In perfect profile. We can see the background, but it's not distracting. Distracting. We've got we've got just a little bit of, of hair light happening. To give him separation from the background so we can see the outline of his hair. And this is happening, like, in 3D as people are moving. This is so cool. His shirt looks particularly rich in this lighting. Really does look like silk or something versus, you know, just a cheap cotton. As always, his pants are pulled up just about uh, three inches below his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? It was 1959. Yeah. That's <laughs> just how they did it. That's where the equator was back then. <laughs> But I kind of dig the reality of, you know, he's he's thinking of a way to get to get a message to Eve. And I love, you know, I just want to go back once. I love the way that the lighting is explained by there being a lamp in the shot. Yeah. So it isn't like some other 1950s dreck where you just always seem to have a spotlight on the characters. Yeah. You know, wherever they go, they always seem to just have a spotlight on them. It actually makes sense in the context that, that Hitchcock showed a lamp that lights him correctly. Yeah. It, it it's like the opposite of like a Douglas Sirk movie where the lights would be coming from absolutely nowhere. You know, it would be perfect, but it wouldn't be natural. Philip, Leonard, and Eve are hanging out on the downstairs of their groovy pad. Philip has a, is that a champagne bar? It looks like the same glasses from the train to me. Remember the tiny, remember the teensy weensy martini? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little fluted martini glass, yeah. I think he's got the same thing, except now he's got the champagne. And he comes over to uh, Eve and hands her the glass and, and says the line. Okay, ready? <laughs> Suck in your air as hard as you can. Bite your top lip and deliver <laughs> that line. To all of the... <laughs> oh, oh, really? Now? I was, I was ready to say it before, but now I forgot it. You said it 17 times. Yeah. To you, my dear, and all the lovely moments we've had together. So I think we kind of came in on this. Yeah. She is a secret agent of the CIA. Yes. Who's getting hung out by the CIA to get on this plane and go down to Brazil. I guess I'm assuming Brazil because of our former ending. Yeah. Where do you think they're going in South America? Argentina with all the other Nazis? (laughs) These Germans are like, we have a very good history in Argentina. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Your money's no good here. You're you're golden. (laughs) They're going down to South America. There must be some CIA plan. Yeah. Like right now in her head, there's a thought bubble going, going, you know, like, oh, okay, so... All the moments we had together, she's toasting me. Is she thinking there's a plot to kill her? Or does she think the CIA has him fooled and there's a CIA plan? Because they don't get away if they get on the plane. Yeah. The only reason that she gets off the plane later is because Roger finds out that they know about her. Yeah. She doesn't know that and the CIA doesn't know that. So what was the CIA's plan? She was going to go down there and then agents were going to confront them there? I mean, I, don't, I, I ask this because doesn't it make more sense right now? The CIA knows where Leonard and Philip are. Yeah. Is it that they want to catch the asset that they're giving the, the, the East German asset that they're giving the microfilm to? They must. Yeah. Okay, so that so then that makes more sense because I'm just thinking to myself, why wouldn't they just rush to the house now? Yeah. Okay, so they actually have to follow him to South America. Yeah, because if all they wanted was the microfilm, they would be they swarmed. Just yeah. Right, they actually... So, the, so the, the CIA part of the plan is to actually catch whoever it is they're meeting up with. Yeah. Or maybe even follow that guy back to 
wherever he's going. Yeah. Or she. Mm-hmm. Okay, then that makes more sense. So, so then this could just be interpreted by her as a lovely gesture. It's not her being stupid to realize that he's basically eulogizing yeah. their life together at this moment. But to him, he is. He's like, yeah. oh, the lovely moments. God damn. <laughs> I'm so clever. Push her out of the plane, not even have sex one more time. <laughs> Do you think these two did it? Philip and, uh, Philip and Eve? He acts like they did. Yeah, and... But she's pretty good at doing the push-off. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hmm. She has her own room. Yeah. He doesn't act like someone who's totally possessive and has had sex with her. Right. You know, that's the thing about this movie. That that auction scene just throws me off for everything else. Yeah. Like, totally, it's just weird that he gets mad about that. Yeah. Everything about that scene suggests that they have had sex. Yeah. That they are having relations. Yeah. And Roger is, like, pooping all over that. <laughs> Yet every other scene in the movie suggests that they are cordial to each other. Yeah. You know, friendly. Yeah, that she's kind of like arm candy. Right. If it wasn't for that one scene, I would say that they aren't. Hmm. Yet that scene exists. Yes. What if it's just a different in a difference in how people act in public about their private relationships now? 1959 compared to now. Oh, yeah. Because if it was now, Philip would saunter up and be like, Hey, give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> Spank her butt. Yeah. And uh, kiss her neck. Yep. And it would be like Fist City after that, just like... Whoa. No, not that, I mean... Holy crap! <laughs> I don't know how your relationships go. No. It takes a while to get to Fist City. I, I mean... No, I mean between Philip and Roger. Oh. Well, that, still, that still sounds suspect, but no. I mean, you know, he, he would be like even more like super mad. Leonard would be more super mad. Well, yeah, too. Roger would be more... Okay, what are you saying? Phil, Roger would be Phil, mad? No, Philip. Philip Philip would be mad? Hold on. Now I'm confused. Philip walks up to Eve, plants oh. a big old wet one on her. Oh, I thought you said Roger. They start the, fisting would, would or whatever that. your scenario is. <laughs> oh, God. And then, and then Roger's reacting like, hey, you can't kiss her. <laughs> no, I was, I, I was thinking you were saying Roger would do that. Oh. No, no, no. I was thinking... I, oh, okay. I see what's going on here. Yeah. Okay, well, that was a waste of everyone's time to listen to. <laughs> what we've got here is a failure to communicate. Some man you just can't fist. <laughs> Bump. <laughs> nice save. We end off this minute, Jason, with Roger failing to hit the mark. Right. It's the least James Bond moment ever. Or <laughs> most James Bond moment, depending on if you're talking about Connery versus... That other one from the 80s. <laughs> more. That's totally a more move. Yeah. More throws the throws the matchbook and it misses and goes beyond her. Yeah. Yeah. More was the more comedic. Well, I don't want I don't want to say the more comedic, but yeah, he was the less cool sometimes. Yeah. He was the more fallible Bond. But what could he do? I mean, you know, he was 79 years old, <laughs> or however old he was when they octopusy. Not a young Bond. No. Very old Bond. Had to had to be funny. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we leave the minute, the, the plane is landing. Eve's fate is sealed. And we learn that Philip is the kind of guy that would leave a half-opened bottle of champagne sitting on the back of the couch without even putting the cork back in it. <laughs> There's not one bubble left in here. There's some interesting things going on in this room. Let's go around the room a little bit. I think this is kind of our best opportunity to see the whole thing. First, I want to talk about the TV. Notice the placement of the TV. It's at the corner of the room, 
facing away from the room. And it's not like on a roller situation. No. That's just where it is. So where are you watching the TV from? You have sort of a, a table here with a black chair. You've got like the, the couch over here, which really isn't facing towards the TV. Like, what's the deal with the TV? It's next to the bar. There's no seat that you would just sit down in and start watching. You'd have to drag a seat over to watch it. Yeah. Roger actually has the best view of it. Yeah, but he's standing. I mean, he, he happens to be standing there. Oh, I see. What you're, oh, you're saying from up, up above. Up above, yeah. You know, if you laid on the couch, you'd be way too far away from the TV to see it. Yeah. By the way, pretty big TV for 1959. Yeah. I mean, pretty big screen. Well, then you, you start going around the room counter, or clockwise. You've got the furry chair. The furry chair. <laughs> and then the, the table that What's-His-Face sits on at the beginning of uh, minute 121. Leonard. And the little... Yeah, that Leonard sits on with the little... With the little corner seating. And then you've got the table that's too small for everyone. <laughs> and then you've got like the wicker chairs, ashtray. you got a couple of these boxes. Now, this particularly is, I find this interesting. On all of the tables, you have a version of this, of this box. I'm going to describe it to you guys. It looks like a tiny coffin. And they're in different colors and there are different lengths and sizes throughout the room. But there's three of them. There's one here. There's one on the tiny table next to the fireplace. And there's one on the table that's too small to eat off of the too small <laughs> dining room table over on the other side of the room the like kitty table <laughs> right the, well except that even kids would be like man this is uncomfortable i've got no elbow room here are these are they keeping tobacco in there is that what happens and i asked because okay we've got ashtrays all over we've got interesting ashtrays right? yeah but look at this thing now I, I what i'm pointing out to jason here is in minute is in second 32 of minute 125 as philip is handing eve her champagne, there's a thing next to him on the table that looks like, and I'm probably not going to say this right, but it looks like one of those things you grind up drug, drugs in. Yeah, like a mortar, mortar and pestle. Right. Why is that there? Hmm. I would buy that in this time and place that someone like Leonard could be a IV drug user and that he might grind up stuff. That could be pretty dark. But what would you, let's put a pin in that conversation. What would you, what would you need this for? Is it just decorative? Is it part of the decor? I mean, it could... Is there stuff in here, in, in the little coffins that get ground up? And It could be just for decoration to go with the theme. But yeah, it could be practical, too. Would you keep cigarettes in these things? No, because we've got like their own separate cigarette thing here. I would think if I had my ancient... I don't even know what the theme would be here. <laughs> Mountain Lodge. <laughs> so, probably something Indian. <gasps> something Indian. Native American kind of going on. Where you would have like a medicine thingy. Yeah. I don't even know if that's accurate. Native Americans grind up their own. <laughs> they probably did. There's probably something that went on. Yeah. Medicine man. I'd be afraid it would get used as an ashtray. <laughs> People just like, ah, I can't reach that thing. Pull this one over with their foot. <laughs> Scratching the table up as well. Oh. <laughs> just start tipping their ashes in it. <laughs> you walk into the room. Son of a... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Well, and then here's the last interesting thing in the room before we uh, before we let this go. Unless you've got something else. Same second, same pause. Is that a gazing ball? Is that a crystal ball? Is that just a globe? Or is it just a rock? <laughs> a map of the moon? 1959. Let me do the math. Nope. We wouldn't know about that. Nope. Is that weird? Oh, this was made before the moon landing. Yep. A good ten years. People would gaze up at the moon while this movie when this movie came out and wonder what was up there. <laughs> Cheese. <laughs> was it there like like a cheese factory like it was the Wisconsin of the galaxy or was it made out of cheese itself <laughs> like an asteroid came down and hit the earth real real hard and part of Wisconsin broke off 
You can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play, or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. You can also find us at The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook, and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Don't forget that there are over 100 other Movies by Minute podcasts available at MoviesByMinutes.com. Please join us here next time on the Hitchcock Minute. Goodbye, Mr. Thornhill, wherever you are.